Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. By the late 1800s, Native American culture was under attack from a variety of sectors. As westward expansion continued, the U.S. government adopted a policy to eradicate culture, language, and spirituality of America's indigenous people by taking children from their families, isolating them, and forcing them to deny their heritage. This policy of assimilation transported the children to boarding schools for cultural transformation. Everything Native was to be stripped away. The goal was integration into Anglo society. Their language as their culture was to be unspoken. Unspoken is the name of a new film being presented by KUED, Unspoken America's Native American Boarding Schools, full title. Film produced by John Howe tells the story of Native American boarding schools, including one in Brigham City. It airs tonight on KUED, 8 p.m. And we're going to be talking with filmmaker John Howe. Hear clips from the movie. We'll also be talking with Davina Spotadelk, who is uh, featured uh, in the film. And uh, we welcome back to the program uh, John Howe, whose most recent projects are Desert Wars, Water in the West, Wild River, the Colorado, and Utah, the National Parks. He's uh, well known for the PBS films The Last Cowboys, Arctic Wars, Nuclear National Park, and many others. And I believe, John Howe, we had you on talking about Return of the Wolf. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Great to be here. We also uh, welcome in uh, Davina Spotadelk, who's uh, the associate producer for the KUE documentary We Shall Remain, the Navajo. She's also a production assistant for The Long Walk, Tears of the Navajo, and a location and script consultant for this film, Unspoken. Uh, she is uh, American Indian Education Coordinator for Salt Lake City School District. She was raised in Monument Valley area. She's a member of the Diné or Navajo tribe, and she uh, uh, is also going to be, I believe, involved um, with Multicultural Youth Leadership Day. I want to mention that, which is 10 to 1 today at the uh, state capitol. Divino Spotadelk, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, let's let's hear the introduction to the film. We have uh, several clips. Let's uh, hear this one and then uh, and then uh, launch into our discussion here. The Native American boarding school era is a dark chapter of American history. The policy was known as assimilation. Everything native was to be stripped away. The thought was to kill the Indian and save the man. Their language was to be unspoken. If the Great Spirit had desired me to be a white man, he would have made me so in the first place. Sitting Bull. Stories are told of native children doing everything they could to escape boarding schools. Home was far away. They longed for anything familiar. Many were unsure as to what had happened to them. They came from another world. Children took pride in their long hair. It was a symbol of strength and dignity. Their hair was cut to Anglo standards. Native clothes changed to military-style uniforms. They were forbidden to practice their way of life in the early boarding school years. Previously, relationships had been based upon the natural world and each other. Prayer and ceremony were important aspects of life. All, all of America talks about religious freedom. Well, everybody in this country had religious freedom except for Native Americans. Native Americans were given a religion to replace our own spirituality and a way of ingraining that. They couldn't do that in the old people, so they decided to do that to the young people. And the only way to do that was to remove them from their families. That's the introduction to the film Unspoken, and it premieres on KUD tonight at 8 o'clock. I want to start with John Howe. Uh, let me just read this from uh, one of your consultants on the film, Dr. Jennifer Nesdenetdale from uh, University of Arizona. Uh, she says it should be called ethnic cleansing rather than assimilation. And, uh, she goes on to say it's had a devastating effect on my people. Where I want to start with this is, uh, you know, from our prism now, it, from our understanding now, it, it's it's appalling. It's... <laughs> 
I, I wonder if you could take some in the heads of the officials at that time, the U- U.S. officials. Did they think they were doing a kindness here? What, what were they thinking? You know, it's really hard to say, I think, in terms of what they were actually thinking. Uh, you know, their their actions, I guess, probably speak a lot louder than their words on, on a story like this. Um, obviously, the times were were different, and, um, you know, there was a pretty widespread um, policies going on with Native Americans throughout the West, and assimilation, I think, was just one of them. But it, uh, But the history is... Probably something that's. I think there's some pretty good lessons to be learned from that, and and uh, that's what we've tried to do with the film. Hopefully, there'll be some education and things that come out of it. And uh, so many of the people just tell firsthand stories, and we tried to just let them talk. And it's. Um, I probably should back up just a little bit. We did another film, as you mentioned, called The Long Walk, and a lot of these interviews come out of those oral histories uh, from that. Uh, that time, mm-hmm. I kind of, when we first started doing these interviews, I thought people might be a little reticent to talk about some of their experiences. But what we actually found over 40 or so interviews is that people were not only happy to talk about it, they actually wanted to. So um, they weren't quite as as quiet as I thought they might possibly be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and much of the film is is people telling their own stories. It is. It is. And the unfortunate part with an hour film is a lot of the great stories and things didn't get in that, but there's going to be, they'll all be on our website as well. So, and I hope those oral histories will be preserved for posterity through uh, a lot of archiving and other things that, uh, that, that now can happen. That's one of the great things I think with the web and other tools that we now have is that information gets up to, uh, to a lot of different places. And, but the film itself is, I hope what it does is it sort of, uh, it starts with prehistory, it goes up all the way through assimilation and, and modern day profiles, uh, one of the schools that's um, still operating and um, and with some success, actually. So that's, I think that's been kind of a good thing, but that's what I hope people will, will take out of the film. Hmm. Davina Spotadalk, I wonder your perspectives in general, what... What do you hope people get out of this this film? I, I think uh, people know that there were Indian boarding schools. I don't know if they know all of this history. What do you what do you think the general audience gets out of this? I think, and my hope is that um, this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning of um, what had happened to American Indians um, from the beginning of when boarding schools um, came into effect in in the 1800s. And so, my hope is that you know, learning from this that um, you know, we're we're still um, we're still feeling the effects from it. Um, it's it's like mostly it's like a cover up. You know, um, that we were we were this had happened to us. We were um, kidnapped or forced into the American or the Indian boarding schools, and from that, it's you know, there's a, a trickle process of how it's affected every generation to even my kids' generation. And my hope is that when, you know, the, the viewers view this um, documentary film, have a better understanding that, you know, this did happen, um, and there's still effects from that. Hmm. Let's hear another clip from the film. This is uh, the treatment that uh, I guess a lot of uh, students received at the boarding schools. Uh, we'll hear um, Roy Smith, who's an Navajo here. Boarding school was never forgotten by Native American children. Navajo Roy Smith left his family when he was a young boy. I guess my first experience with going to a boarding school uh, was uh, the loneliness and the homesick because all the things you ever did was hurt cheap and uh, the saddest or the, the lonely part was the first month of your school year, you know. You miss your sheepdog and you miss the animal that you've been among them. Dee Satala went to Keems Canyon boarding school on Arizona's Hopi reservation. Just remembering how hard they punished us or disciplined us. It's just that I didn't want to go through it. That's why I just always, you know, ran away from there. The physical punishment that they were given 
would astound you. We have accounts where literally boards were taken to the backs of children and they were, their backs were broken, physically broken for speaking their language. And so they've stripped our language away by sending us to boarding schools. They stripped our culture away by sending us to boarding schools. They, they changed our way of thinking about spirituality by sending us to boarding schools. You cannot imagine the damage that they have done to our culture by sending our kids to boarding schools. There's another clip from Unspoken. It's a uh, film premiering on KUED this evening at 8 o'clock. We have filmmaker John Howe with us and Davina Spotadalk, who uh, participated in the creation of the film. She's featured in the film as well. And uh, the phone line is open if you'd like to join us here, 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Perhaps you have an experience you'd like to share with us, uh, or you can join us by email to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at uh, gmail.com. Uh, so, John, how uh, it's, it, it's, it's hard to hear that. It's, it's hard to hear that the, the children were mistreated in that manner. I think it is hard to hear, but I think it's an important thing to to listen to, and and uh, that's one of the way that some of those, like you heard Roy Smith um, describe that uh, just a, a little while ago. Um, there was a, a lot of trauma, I think, that was um, um, not even just a physical punishment, but being taken away from their family um, obviously was a very traumatic thing. When I listen to those stories, I kind of put myself in that situation and kind of try to understand a little bit about what that would be like, although I think it's it's pretty hard to really have uh, much reference unless you've actually gone through it yourself. And But it's um, I just think it's a really important story. It's one that I'm really glad to have just been a small part of because it's it certainly is their story, and that's what we tried to do in the film, is let them tell it. And um, and you just heard some of them. Divinia Spotted Elk, uh, Roy uh, there um, talked about um, culture, the fact that uh, the culture was being beat out of them along with, with language. And uh, I wonder what you... Uh, I wonder how, how you really explain that so people can understand that. If you're a part of the mainstream culture, if you're... Anglo, I don't know if you can really understand what someone goes through when when your culture and language are being systematically beaten out of you. Well, I know, I mean, so going even, I mean, so I think the question that um, possibly viewers are going to ask that are, are non-native is, why did this happen? When did this happen? Um, and I can definitely say it happened when the westward expansion um, impacted American Indians between the 1800s and 1900s, and that was because, you know, you've you've got Euro-Americans um, that were coming to the West, and they saw that there was an opportunity for for land of farming, ranching, and mining. And whereas American Indians, you know, we view this place as a place of you know what Mother Earth has given us, so that we could, could take care of. And off from that, you know, we believe that Mother Earth gave us the opportunity to go hunt and and gather, and and also to you know, and some of us were farmers as well, but it wasn't something that we owned, and so therefore, that you know, we were we were kind of thought as you know, these are people that just roam around and don't you know don't have a place or don't have a structure. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give them structure. We're gonna assimilate them. We're gonna place them in on reservations where they, you know, know know the understanding of farming. Um, we're going to have their we're going to take their kids and and assimilate them into boarding schools, and so American Indians, you know, we were always taught of everything around us is is uh, something that we share. Um, who we who our uh, deities are are something that we, you know, held sacred. Um, whether that's you know we looked to think for our water, our air, um, the food we ate, everything around us there was a purpose, and so but. That was stripped from us, mm-hmm. and so language was a big factor as well. Um, the the clip that you heard, that's actually my father. Oh, um, and so I, growing up, you know, I grew up on the reservation. Um, I spoke to my grandparents because they they had a ver- they didn't speak very uh, English very well, and so I would um, help them in understanding, you know, um, what what Anglo's were saying. 
but to have that taken from you it's just it's a part of who you are and so being stripped from your a part of you is you know it's is pretty devastating um and so i know for my father that was very hard for him because that's who we are that's everything about our language our culture our history that's us that's american indians that's who we who we are that's how we identify ourselves john how there's a there there are pictures of course so there's there's a photograph that's quite impactful that um that you can see on our website by the way upr.org uh it's a photograph of uh, several indian boys um they're obviously at a boarding school they're in military uniforms haircut short uh, it, it's an obvious attempt to make them look um anglo i think that's uh some of the most revealing photographs in the film are the sort of the before and after shots there um Many of them were shortly after the turn of the century, or some of them are uh, with with uh, some of the people. Um, you know, Jennifer Nez Danette Dale, Dr. Danette Dale, um, tells a story about the the children that came by train. So it wasn't uh, to places like Carlisle, which is what she's talking about um, in Pennsylvania. So it was a it was very likely a pretty grueling journey, even before they even. Uh, got to um, places like Carlisle. So that was a, a pretty dramatic story, I think, all the way through uh, what was happening to these these children. And as we go into in the film as well, there was a lot of illness, there was a lot of abuse um, all the way through that was um, uh, very hard to, um, to listen to, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope people sort of get an understanding of that in the film. And uh, apparently there was a report, the, the Merriam Report, 1928, documenting uh, you know, pattern punishment, rampant disease, cultural intolerance, but that didn't didn't have much of an effect. The, the schools continued. The Merriam Report was sort of the beginning of change, I think. Things did change, although that's, I guess, a matter of perspective in terms of uh, how dramatic uh, the change was. Uh, it may not have quite been as overt, but a lot of the people in the film are are telling stories that was after World War II, for example. So it didn't stop, um, you know, for quite a long period of time. I'll turn to Davina Spotterdalk. Uh, I wonder, um, you know, the people you've talked to, heard these stories from firsthand, what, what was the effect? They come back from boarding school, and what... What was the effect on them? For me personally, um, being in uh, a native boarding school, I can recall my very first um, encounter was when I was in kindergarten, and I actually was in a Catholic uh, school, and so I re- I remember very well um, the sisters. Um, and I, of course, keep in mind I was in kindergarten, so if I wasn't in in a, in a straight line or if I wasn't dressed properly, you know, I, I felt the effects from that. And then going on into... Uh, the uh, Indian boarding school into the city. Um, there, I think I, because I, I I have family from that area, and in working in the boarding school, I could see, you know, I was not punished as much, but you know, there are times where I I felt the ruler on um, on me, or I've also seen um, other students that had a more serious effect of, you know, the uh, military type um, punishment. Um, but then going on, I went on to another uh, boarding school, which was the Seventh-day Adventist, and I can recall that was probably the most scariest because I was away, thinking, for me, I thought I was miles, I mean, thousands of miles away from home, and I was also in, in a, a third grader, and so hearing all the other girls in the dorm crying, that was very traumatic, you know, we didn't know what to expect we didn't i mean there were also forms of punishment there as well i do recall there were some girls that had were that ran away ran away and when they were found by the uh, police authorities they were brought back and we knew there was you know there was going to be some something big coming for them and we found out later that they all had been whipped by a a cord Um, Mm. so that was my experience as for my my both my parents being boarding school i mean I, you know, it, it's it was really hard for them, and I and I, you know, keep. It, I also know that there were those that say it was the best the best way. 
I could um, receive a form of education. It was great for me. And, you know, I, I don't exclude that. But one thing that I think we really need to, to also look at are those that were affected by it because it does still affect them to this day. I mean, it's affected me as well. Um, and there has to be, that cycle has to be broken and how we can bring more awareness of those um, tragi- tragedies that had happened to them. Um, so I know, you know, from my parents, it's, it's some of the stories I've heard from them, you know, as far as we heard about my father, um, what had happened to him. And, and also there was not only the Indian boarding schools, there was also the LDS, LDS placement program as well. So my, my mother's been um, actually in both, both uh, programs, and so it's, it's affected her as well. I was going to ask you about the LDS uh, Indian placement uh, program. Um, that you know that was quite prevalent, it's, and I think the the church would would tell you that the, they they wanted to give uh, the kids an education, but it was uh, but the kids were uh, you know far away from their homes and placed with other families. Yes, and I know um, these are I've got I have a couple of aunts that have gone through the Indian placement program, um, and I know. Some of them said that they were placed with, you know, wonderful families. And I've got other family members that said that it was probably the most horrific experience that they've, they've had to encounter. Um, I mean, there was a number, um, a number of, I don't know how to say on their behalf, but it, was, it wasn't a good thing for them um, because it was very traumatic. Um, and to this day, I've got an, a, a, my dear aunt that, you know, said I, that was something I hope to never, ever experience um, to, for any of the kids to this day. And I know it, it had phased out um, as early as, the I think, the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, it's both good and bad, but, um, it's, you know, that's something also that needs to be looked in as well. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to uh, talk more, of course, about Indian boarding schools. I want to talk about the Intermountain uh, Indian School in Brigham City. Uh, in the film, there there's people have some very good memories of, of that particular school. And I want to bring this to today, and uh, we want to talk uh, a bit about Domino Spotted Elk's son and uh, some of his experiences, uh, the next generation uh, coming up. We're talking about a film which is premiering on KUED tonight at uh, 8 o'clock. It's uh, titled Unspoken, America's Native American Boarding Schools. And the uh, filmmaker is John Howe. We're talking with him. We're also talking with Davina Spotted Elk, uh, who is a location and script consultant for this film. Uh, she is American Indian Education Coordinator for Salt Lake City's school district. And uh, there's a Multicultural Youth Leadership Day at the Capitol, the uh, state capitol in Salt Lake City. It's happening 10 to 1 today. Before we go to break, Davina Spotted Elk, anything you want to say about this Multicultural Youth Leadership Day? Yes, um, it is an event for 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 a number of uh, students of color that would like to participate in this multicultural youth leadership day. Um, it's just basically it's 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 a day of empowerment for our youth, um, our broad uh, diverse of uh, students of color, um, and so it's something that should be um, pretty exciting. And, and again, I mentioned it's it's to empower our youth today. Let's take a break when we come back more on Unspoken. Did you know that while enrollments in foreign language classes are dropping on college campuses nationwide, the number of college students who are learning American Sign Language is going up? A report from the Modern Language Association shows aggregate foreign language enrollments decreased by 6.7% from 2009 to 2013 in the United States. But American Sign Language enrollments went up 19% over the same four years. Students may be drawn to sign language because it is visual and because it satisfies a foreign language requirement. They may also want to communicate with a friend or a family member who is deaf or hard of hearing. This segment of Did You Know That? has been brought to you by our members and the Emma Eccles Jones College of Education and Human Services, committed to mentoring tomorrow's educators, researchers, and clinicians, located on campuses in Logan and 26 other sites throughout Utah.
Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about a very important uh, chapter in uh, U.S. history. Uh, I think uh, we all need to be educated a little more on this. And uh, we're talking about, of course, on the program today, and you can uh, see a film on this. It's called Unspoken, America's Native American Boarding Schools, and it's premiering on KUED tonight at 8 o'clock. We're talking with the filmmaker John Howe and with uh, Davina Spotted Elk, who is featured uh, in the film. You can join the conversation at 1-800-826-1495 or upraxcess at gmail.com. Uh, the, the history in brief, by the late 1800s, the U.S. government had decided on a policy of assimilation under which they transported uh, Native American children to boarding schools for cultural transformation. Everything Native was to be stripped away. The goal was integration into Anglo society. Their language as their culture was to be unspoken. Uh, so that's where the title of the film uh, comes in. Uh, let's hear another uh, clip from the film. You'll hear various voices here. Uh, including uh, Forrest Kutch uh, from the from the Ute tribe. Let's hear this. There were 25 federally funded non-reservation Native American schools by 1902, with some 6,000 students. Estimates increased that population to 60,000 by 1973. Boarding schools brought Native children from many diverse cultures together in one place. It was at the boarding school where they tended to stay together with people from their community and gain a larger sense of tribalness or, or, or nationality. They, you know, we need to remember in Indian history that bad ideas do not always yield solely bad results. In many ways, it did the reverse. It, it strengthened our our culture and our uh, relationships with other tribes strengthened our culture. And so it created a um, intertribal uh, pan-Indian relationship across our country. There were also some Americans who saw Native Americans as a vanishing race. They hoped to preserve a disappearing way of life. Photographer Edward S. Curtis documented them. The Navajos were the subject of many turn of the 19th century into 20th century photographers and artists. People like Edward Curtis, who made a wonderful photograph. He was an outstanding photographer. An image of the Navajos that has remained with us called the Vanishing Race, and they're riding on their horses off into the sunset. And Curtis, of course, was, was wrong. There are more Navajos today than there were Indians 100 years ago. That, I, I want to pick that uh, last statement up, um, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll start on this one with, uh, with Davina Spotted Elk. There are more Navajos today than there were Native Americans in total? Was that, was that what I heard? Um, there are, so today... Um, no, actually, I, I believe um, that there are. I'm sorry. What was the question again? Uh, just that last statement in the film that there, there were, there are. I think I got it right. There are more Navajos today than there were Native Americans at that point. So today, currently, the the Navajo Nation, um, the population is uh, roughly around 173,000, I believe, um, and still growing. Um, and so we are. Um, we are the uh, largest uh, tribe in the U.S. Um, and Alaska, I believe. And so, um, but, um, it, and, and, you know, we're still growing. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that was one thing that has, has um, been our stronghold is that we, we continue to overcome, you know, all the tragedies that had happened over the, the past centuries um, on our people. Um, and I know we've, we, you know, we've, the Navajo Nation, we have our own, our own system. We have our own um, judicial system. We have our own, we even have our own capital. Um, we have our own government bodies. We have our own president and vice president. So, um, you know, although these tragedies had happened over, uh, you know, centuries, we still, over, we have overcome mm -hmm. um, um, let me turn to uh, John Howe. Uh, in that clip, we heard that 
unintended, you know, or, or unexpected good consequences have, have come out of this uh, bad experience? Well, that was one of the things I, I found kind of interesting is just uh, people had such a, a different experience, and some did say that, um, you know, we had a screening on this film um, just last week, and you could kind of see people sort of cringe when people said something good about boarding schools mm-hmm. or that it wasn't, you know, their experience was a little different. But uh, I found that surprising, to be honest with you, and it was a little hard to report because I, uh, the cultural difference and problems, I think, were, you know, pretty substantial. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to amplify that clip that you heard, that, that comes from Dr. Peter Iverson, who's at Arizona State University. He's considered one, he's written some 30 books, I think, on, on Native Americans and is considered a real expert. You know, the numbers that he actually gave us, and that, I mean, that's a very bold statement that he makes there, but it's kind of poignant if you think about it. Um, at least the numbers that he is is giving through a lot of other issues that around the turn of the century, a little after that, the supposedly Native Americans were down to about 250,000 people. Um, the, the numbers that, that we have are a little higher than the ones that Davina mentioned on the Navajos. They're about 300,000, at least when I look at that population. So that's kind of where that statement is. And I, uh, but I, when he said that, I thought that's a pretty bold statement. And but we left it in there because we went in and researched that, and, uh, and as far as I can tell, it appears to be accurate. And as I mentioned, he's one of the foremost experts on a lot of those kinds of things. So, uh, but still, very bold statement. Makes you think about it. And I guess it underlines the, the fact that at a certain point, Native Americans have been population have been decimated. Well, that's you know that's really the point. Is around the, the you know the turn of the century, maybe even a little later than that is. Um, the population had declined from literally millions to that uh, relatively small number. Um, very often with statistics and data, I'm kind of reluctant to get into an awful lot of it in a film simply because it's the interpretation of that can be hard, and it's really sort of hard to to correlate uh, with census reports and, and things like that. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, that's what we try to do with most of the people in there is let them tell their stories and and things because it's um, – but the data and the statistics, uh, they make important points, but it's it's the overall picture that I think is important there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to uh, talk about the Intermountain Indian School. Many of us in northern Utah, you know, drive past the the big eye on the – on the hill, and we look down, and, and some of the buildings re- remaining. Um, wonder about the the story there. And there's a clip in the film that a, a woman has a very positive view of. It. She says she met her husband there. And well, you know, that's Davina's mother. She can probably oh, tell oh, that story is. a lot okay. better than me. Okay, Davina, that's um, that's your mother. Okay. Yes, it's it's um, and Inner Mountain is as you know. There's just uh, it's sort of a as the film says it's sort of a skeleton of what it was, but it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll let Davina tell that story. I think she probably yeah. knows it very well. Yeah, Davina. So that's your, that's your mother. So your your parents met at the Intermountain. Yes. Yes, in, they in did. School? Yeah. They did. They um and and as she once you see the uh, the film um you know that was a day that, she, that well that time it was very it, she mentioned it was a wonderful time because yes she did meet my husband there but I think um, the Intermountain. Uh, school Indian school was the place of where tribes from all over were you know they they were together and it was a place they could be be themselves and so um although because they were you know thousands of and or hundreds of miles away from home so there they got to meet other other tribes and um they were able to form um clubs i know my father was on a basketball team and a number of clubs um, and then from there, he was able to go on to um, a post-secondary school, um, and the same for my mother. So it was at that time it was a place where they could get together and and, and be themselves, you know, um, be able to to speak their language language among themselves. And so, yeah, at at, at, at times it was a good time for her. So the, at, at least at that point, they, they didn't have the policy of a of assimilation. You you could speak your native language and. Um, no, at, at that so it, 
it, so, you know, there were times where, um, and, you know, among us natives, we, we, we did speak, but it was under, like, under our breaths, basically. Oh, okay. You, know, you mm-hmm. were, if, you know, because of that fear still being traumatized as a young kid, you know, where you're not supposed to speak your language. So when they were not in amongst, uh, you know, any uh, administrator or educator, you know, they were able to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, John Howe, you, I wanted to follow up something you said at, at some screenings when, I guess, when those scenes come up where people talk about some positive experiences mixed in against uh, amongst uh, many bad experiences. Some people roll their eyes. They don't comfortable with that. Is that because they don't want the central message to get lost? What do you think that is? Well, I think so. I mean, there's just like any situation, you can probably find some good in just about anything if you look hard enough. But that is what... What some of the people told us is they appreciated the education, and it was, um, you know, they, so they looked at it from that point of view. But I don't see how you can quite get away from the assimilation part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, at least for me, that's a hard part of it. Although, as I've said, it's not my story; it's really theirs, and yeah. they had the chance to tell it. Some, um, I think, were very resilient and and persevered through some very, very tough times. And I can see even with the dances and things like that in the, in the film, it, it shows. But it, I do think uh, Amanda Blackhorse in the film captures it best or talks about it best with the sort of historical trauma that uh, is just right under the surface. Uh, you know, there was like any social or cultural kind of thing. I mean, the dances and social interaction and things were probably uh, somewhat pleasing at, at that time, but I think it was always right under the surface that, um, you know, a, a real um, dislike of the situation that they were in, and um, it's pretty hard to divorce um, yourself from that because so much of it wasn't really voluntary. It, it, you know, they're, they're, this cultural melting pot uh, probably was a good thing. Maybe that was a, a thing where people really wouldn't have um, found each other otherwise. But I do think it's right under the surface there all the time. I mean, there might be a, a smiling face there, but uh, the trauma um, I don't think goes away. Uh, in fact, funny you should mention this. Uh, that's our next clip. Let's hear this now. Uh, this features Amanda Blackhorse. Davina's grandmother is a respected Navajo elder. She's witnessed tremendous change over the course of her many years. Amanda Blackhorse visits Davina's grandmother for the first time. We're the last thing on the list. We're still feeling the effects of of boarding schools today. Um, Boarding schools actually still do exist to this day. And um, it has has completely um, demolished the, the, the indigenous familial system and many of our people are suffering and they don't, the the thing is they don't realize that they are suffering from the boarding school syndrome. Many of us don't, don't even understand it in that perspective. That's a a clip from the film Unspoken. Uh, It's a film about uh, American Indian boarding schools, Native American boarding schools, and the the lasting deleterious effects of that, which uh, Amanda Blackhorse just talked about. Davina Spotterduck, I wonder if you could talk about that, the the lasting effects of this. Um, So going back to when we um, had uh, the screening um, last week at the Urban Indian Center, um, and as John mentioned, there were, you know, some some of those that have, uh, were able, we were able to hear their experiences um, and, of course, you've heard some of this, that it was the best um, feeling for them. I think that that right there is, as I mentioned, just the beginning. It's just the beginning of what still needs to be um, talked about more and more because um, one, one, one man, I mean, I could, I could sense his anger, his frustration, um, and he, it was allowing him to finally open up about what had happened to him. Um, and so that, without that, I mean, without that feeling, you know, that's what we were always taught to keep in, you know, going to boarding school, the only thing you're going to learn is education. We're not, and it was a military 
form of, 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 of schooling. So your feelings were basically, you can't express your feelings. You Again, you can't express your, your culture. You were just only taught to learn the, the white man's type of education system. And so that from there was passed on from generation to generation to today. Um, I know there are times, you know, that I, I, I have to remind myself, you know, when I, my kids do something out of line or that feeling of, no, you got to stand in order or you got to be in a straight line, whatever that may be, that's what I, those were effects from what had happened long ago. And so for those to express themselves, you know, that's what we need to do in order to heal so we can move forward for our younger generation. I want to talk about uh, the younger generation uh, after a brief break. Uh, we're talking with uh, John Howe, who's the filmmaker, and uh, Davina Spotted Elk, who also uh, worked on this film, and uh, she's featured in the film as well. Uh, the film is Unspoken, America's Native American Boarding Schools, and it premieres on KUD tonight at 8 o'clock. More following the break. Join the community of friendly and talented volunteers who make UPR the vibrant place it is. Our wonderful, dedicated volunteers are a tremendous help to UPR, providing invaluable support to our staff and our excellent ambassadors of the station. You can be a UPR volunteer during the next pledge drive coming up February 20th. To sign up or just to check out the times available, go to upr.org. Thanks. Wednesday, Utah Public Radio will be on site during Logan City's Green Futures Learning Series for a presentation about the economics and environmental viability of renewable technology. As part of the UPR and Salt Lake Tribune Public Insight Network project, we'll take what we learn from experts and you to create stories about the role of renewable technology in our lives. Join us 6 p.m. Wednesday at Logan City Hall or online now at upr.org and select UPIN. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We are uh, previewing, uh, talking about a film. Uh, KUD is presenting this film uh, tonight at 8 p.m. on KUD. Uh, you can tune in to see that. We're talking with the filmmaker John Howe and with Davina Spotted Elk, who is featured uh, in the film. John Howe, uh, is some of the some more of the history here. Uh, how late did these uh, boarding schools exist in in any kind of uh, great numbers? When did they start being phased out? Well, I'd probably uh, that's one of the things I think that Amanda talks about in the film is that there they've been maybe there are fewer, but they still exist. So, mm-hmm. from what I understand, there are about seven off-reservation boarding schools now. So they still exist, and I, you know, we we profile one in the film at the Santa Fe Indian School, which was one that was brought to our attention. Um, it's actually run by the 19 Pueblo. Uh, communities in New Mexico. Uh, so that sort of brought um, things full circle in a way. Um, I've kind of worried a little bit about that because the Santa Fe Indian School is is probably a role model of what, um, not certainly just boarding schools, but what any school should be. Is They just seem to do a really good job with education and with people. And we profile one of the students there that um, talks about that at length in, in terms of how things have changed, at least for her. But I wouldn't necessarily say that that's true of all. Um, as I mentioned, there are about seven off-reservation boarding schools that I, that, to the best of my knowledge, that are run by the BIE. And uh, I'm sure it's a little different experience, but it, it's one of my worries with the film is in some ways is that we haven't captured all the true horror that a lot of these children went through. Uh, we tried, certainly with some of the things at House Gold, when you see the handcuffs and the jail that Amanda Blackhorse talks about, and you see the cemeteries, and she talks about the ghosts of the past that still haunt the place. I hope that message is pretty clear, because it's, it's um, and I think she talks about it well, as I mentioned before, is the, the trauma and Davina has talked about it very eloquently as well. The trauma is still there, so it's 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 uh, it's a healing, as Davina mentioned. But I'm I I'm not sure that that healing has uh, gone full circle as mm-hmm. of yet. Oh, Davina Spadrock, I want to talk about um, 
go to the next generation now, and and uh, your son is featured in the film. There, there's a scene he's in diversity class at East High School. He talks about how that's that's great. Talk about diversity, and he's on the basketball team. And then and then he talks about. I wonder if you could talk about his some of his experiences going to uh, other high schools where the mascot is. I don't know the Braves or the Indians or something. Well, I know that he um, traveling with him. Um, Knowing that when you know when they score a point, they'll always say your um, they'll they'll say your name, and of course his last name Spotted Elk. Um, and you hear the team section on the opposing um, side doing their war group chants. Um, but of course, then you go even further and hear the you know the the Indian theme um, songs playing in the band and. As a parent, you know you 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 just cringe. Um, there are times that I just wanted to go over and say, you know, do you know how racist this is? Do you know this is just this is it's not it's not right. But there are times when I have to hold back. You know, my husband will tell me just you know you can talk to him afterwards because I know it will affect my son. It's seen you know seeing his mom going over and <laughs> and probably yelling at every one of them. You know how mm-hmm. racist this is, but because you know this but the one thing i i tell my son my husband i tell him is you know go out there and did the one thing you love and that's basketball um and if you hear your name embrace that because that's that you come from two two tribes you know i'm i'm from the Diné nation and my husband is from the northern cheyenne tribe in lame Deer, montana and so hold that to your heart you know hold that and, and just go out there and do what you love to do and that's play ball but at the same time, as a parent, you can, you know, think, wow, we're, we're in 2015 and still I have to hear these racist comments. Um, and for my son, you know, I, thankfully he's, he has the support to keep carrying along, but there are those, there are others. Um, as, uh, I'm, as an American education coordinator um, in the Sully School District, I support, you know, my American Indian students, but what when I'm not there? What what are the effects that they're having to go through? They're still having to go through assimilation in the school books. You know, right now we're still trying to fight that Columbus didn't discover America, um, but yet that's still in in our school books among other histories that should be in there about American Indians. Um, and so it's it's something that we still need to to look into and 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 find a way how we can support all our um, students of color. So what what is the key? Do you think what what principles do you do you give kids like your your son to uh, as they're navigating two cultures? Make more make awareness. You know, make this an awareness that um, this is this is something that we really need to look at in different school districts. How do we come together and support our students of color in whatever culture, language, whatever that may be, and supporting them so then we can we can improve on the achievement gap so that we can uh, eliminate the prison to pipeline. Um, but that has to be with the, the school districts and working together and supporting so then we can, you know, in, improve. That's my, my, my biggest goal is that, you know, I would love to see our capital come and say, okay, this is what we're going to do in supporting our students of color. Let's work with every superintendent, every school district, and ensuring that we give them the best support. Let's relook at the the testing, you know, systems. Of course, it's one-minded. It's it's something that is only taught through an, an Anglo perspective. Um, although I know there are very bright students, I know there are very bright students, but it's we look at it through whatever testing tells us to. You know, um, we're sometimes hands-on, um, so it's really basically rewiping the this education system and and starting over and i know it's it's going to be hard i know it's going to be challenging but you know i think it has to be done john how there are themes in in the the film that of course we've been talking about right here that resonate today um i I was interested uh there's a there's a piece here from amanda blackhorse who participated in the lawsuit against the washington redskins Uh, Here's what she said. For generations, we're taught to believe that we're less than, primitive, savages. 
And the only representation of us in national media is of our stereotype. I thought that was a very powerful statement. I think it is. Um, and that's, Davina was alluding to it as well. Um, and I think you see that in the film with the, the imagery and things that are in the, in the uh, let's call it the basketball segment, uh, or the segment with uh, Daisy and Davina's son. I think that uh, kind of imagery is, is, speaks for itself. And Amanda Blackhorse has been sort of on the forefront of that. And I think she speaks to that very eloquently in the film and, um, you know, is still very active in those, in those kinds of issues. Um, I wonder, Davina, um, I wonder if you agree with that. So Dr. Danette Dale in the film, she says this, this history should be called ethnic cleansing rather than assimilation, talking about the boarding schools. Do you, do you agree with that statement? I do. I do. Um, as long as I can remember the atrocities that atrocities that happened to American Indians, um, yes, genocide is is one one. I mean, is the key factor in in our our culture. Um, and so, with, I mean, there's nothing else I can say. Is that I do agree with Dr. Danette Dell. Uh, John, how we just have about a minute left. I wonder what's what's the main takeaway. You think people watch the film? What what do you hope they take away? Well, I think it's education, and I think it's a rewriting of history, as Davina and, and uh, Dr. Danette Dale mentioned. Um, that history, I think, is hopefully being rewritten. There's a number of uh, Native American historians that are on that, including Dr. Danette Dale, who is uh, working with Ph.D. history students. And uh, so I think that's a lot of it, is the history is being rewritten, hopefully in a more accurate uh, fashion. That's what we tried to do with Act One in the film, as Davina was uh, talking about. Is the, Act One is really sets up the story in terms of what was happening to Native people at that time, and I hope that's um, a good reminder. We, when we aired that at the screening the other um, the other night, there were people that were very emotional about that first part of the the story, which is, sort of sets up the assimilation that's coming after that. But uh, the accuracy of history, I think, is extremely important. And, um, and as, as I mentioned, I think it's being rewritten as we speak, which well, is a good thing. Right. The film is called Unspoken, America's Native American Boarding Schools, and it premieres on KUED tonight, 8 o'clock. Uh, we've been talking with the filmmaker John Howe and uh, with Davina Spotadelk, who uh, helped with the film and is featured in the film. John Howe, Davina Spotadelk, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I uh, hope you'll join me tomorrow uh, for the program. We're going to be talking about small-town newspapers. At a time when mainstream news media are hemorrhaging, doomsayers are predicting death of journalism. There's a book out, Emus, Luce, and Egnar, talks about the uh, big stories from small towns. We'll have uh, journalist Judy Miller on. hope you'll join us tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. If you would like your business to be recognized for support of Utah Public Radio, contact UPR's underwriting manager, Terry Guy. Let her help you make that message a part of your commitment to the community. Call Terry at 435-797-3215 for more information. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan.